I want to discuss for a few minutes. I'd like to discuss Nada Vavi. Youngsters, youngsters learn Chumash, and unfortunately, some people don't update their understanding of the Parshia Satira, and they keep a very childish view of the Torah, and they relate to Torah. It's not unfortunate that they have the childish view, because that view we should have. We should contain in us a six-year-old six view. We were taught when we were six, and there's a completely healthy and true six-year-old view that, by the way, should remain a part of you forever. But you should also have an 18-year-old view and a 30-year-old view. But the six-year-old view is precious and true and valuable, but it's sad if a person doesn't learn the Torah and gain an 18-year-old view. Now, youngsters learn the Torah and they hear about tragedies that happened. There were some tragedies, a lot of celebration, and a lot of tragedies in the Midbar, in the desert, when our nation was forming. And they hear about figures who were Kairach as an instant. And Kairach was a Russia. Kairach was a Russia who's called by Chazal a Russia. They hear about Nadav Aviyu, two of Aaron's children who were Nifter, and by some youngsters like Kairach, did, and they, the Rebbe speaks the Avera of Nadav Aviyu, the Akairach sin, Nadav Aviyu sin. Nadav Aviyu were two giants from the greats of the, in the history of our people, from the greatest people who have ever stepped foot on this earth, were Nadav Aviyu. <laughs> two tzaddikim, tremendous, tremendous tzaddikim. And Nadav Aviyu, these two Helga tzaddikim, were nifter at the heart of a celebration. If you're talking about an event that was marred, there was a tremendous celebration of our Beis Hamikdash, of the Mizbeach, of the Chanukah Sabayis, of the Mishkan. We had been zeichet to a Mishkan, a place for Ashras Ashrina, that Hashem will live openly in our midst, a place that it will be easy to feel Hashem's presence, a tremendous hug and a kiss for Klal Yisrael. We were given a Mishkan. A place a Yid can walk into if his emuna ever is weak and feel Hashem's presence, an incredible kervis Hashem called Mishkan. And at the height of the celebration for this new precious place, two beloved tzaddikim, <coughs> the likes of which our nation Kimat has never seen, two Helga tzaddikim, this is not like my theories, Maisha Rabbeinu says that they, in some way, says to Aaron Akai and Nadav and Avi were bigger than us. Two tremendous, tremendous tzaddikim were nifter. And, and obviously the celebration is greatly marred. And then the question begs, we're, we're coming off the most recent yantav, a yantav, a chag of sukkahs. <coughs> and a Chag of Sukkot, we know if it rains on Sukkot, is a terrible rejection. It rains on Sukkot, Hashem, we get sad, you don't want our mitzvah, Hashem. The, the Mishnah describes, like an Eved, who the rabbi, the Eved, brings his master a glass of water, and the master throws the water back at the Eved, a tremendous rejection. 
And at the high Klal Yisrael celebrating our closeness to Hashem, and two Yidin who are the, the everything we aspire to be, two precious Yidin who are tzaddikim mamish, the biggest tzaddikim, who represent everything that's pure in our nation, both tr- pass away tragically. And there may be a sense of rejection, of this is not wanted, of some rejection. And yet historically, it's not that way. Historically, there are two words Maishu Rabbeinu tells Aaron. He says, Through those that are close to me, I bring holiness. This is no rejection here, Maishu Rabbeinu says to Aaron, Akoyin, who just lost his two children. And he says that to tzaddikim, and forever we as a nation, we study Nadavaviyu, we study Aaron Akoyin, Aaron Akoyin's response to the death of his sons, Vayidoim Aaron, a response of faith, a response that forever inspires our nation. Nadavaviyu's death to tzaddikim, to holy people, their very idealism is impressive, we, their sin is very subtle. Difficult to find, nothing exact. Something very subtle and two holy people on Madragas, tremendous Madragas. There was an Einish, there was punishment. Hashem loves them, there's eternal reward for both of them. And their sin in some way in the Beis HaMikdash, the service of Hashem, every person aspires to serve Hashem. And there was a very big exactness of how to serve Hashem. And Nadav Aviyu, in an excitement, ran in in a way, they did, in their great want and drive and idealism, they ran in the Beis Hamikdash in excitement, and they did holy things that all our nations inspired by their drive for Kedusha. <coughs> And yet, in some way, there was some sin, Asher Lloyd Sivisi. They did something that wasn't the prescribed way Hashem wanted. And they, 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 they and, and Hashem took them, took them back, and they're in Shemayim, an internal reward. And we're inspired by their drive for Hashem. And we're lesson learned about following the prescribed order that Hashem wants. But the, they're both their petiru was bikrei vayekadesh. Both of them, it is said by Moshe, those that are close to Hashem, ekadesh. They've been a source of holiness. They've been a source of closeness to Hashem. Their petiru caused more service of Hashem. Bikrei vayekadesh. Eleven years ago, two guys who represent everything that's special about the yeshiva. There are people here, Raiwasniki was here, Yol was here, Chaim Tzvi, Rebbeim were here, Bachrum were here. And there's zero exaggeration. After somebody's nifter, people exaggerate mindless and things is of no comfort to anybody who cares. And they were two human beings special, but they represented everything that was precious about the yeshiva. They were like the guy, each one in their chaburah, 
My son asked me by their patira that night. He said, who's going to strengthen the class? They, each one in their chabur was the one everybody would have run to. They represented everything precious in the yeshiva. Eli was the leader of the yeshiva, I would say unquestioned. He was the guy, he was, he was learning, growing, developing, sharam to rabbeim, everything that's precious here. He was, he was that guy. And Danny was that guy in his chabur a year, a year younger. And both just popular, connected, focused, soaking up the values of yeshiva. From every aspect, the siyumim at the end of the year, you could see who gets the yeshiva. And they, at every siyum, they were front and center dancing, celebrating. The messiah, whoever he was, wanted them in the middle with them. And they wanted to encourage him. They were extreme parts of the yeshiva, connected, absorbed from each rebbe. Dani was probably from the closest Talmudim Raimadlinger ever had, maybe ever has had, perhaps. Close to the Rebbeim, Mamish. And then there's Hashem, Mishpatecha Tahim Rabbah. We don't know all that. We know Hashem loves us, but as Cheshbainis, we have limited intelligence, limited knowledge. And Hashem, 11 years ago, took away on the way to Yeshiva, on the way to their place. Hashem took away two precious, two precious guys. He took Eli Shomron, Eliyob, and Mordechai Alevi, and Dani King, Daniel Faivish, Ben Yitzchok Yaakov, and Hashem took away two precious Lishams. And I want to just say that Bikraivayakadesh, I can't think of more two words that apply to this that happened to us. Bikraivayakadesh. I could say that what happened, there was change and everybody was in yeshiva in a real and profound way. In the Bahram that were there, there was a change, Lutaiv. These two precious and growing people who were plugged in to Torah, to Yerushalayim, who were plugged in. <coughs> and I could say in their patira that there was change. There was change in individuals. Every single, it's hard to find a guy in yeshiva who didn't, who didn't in those, in that time, there was a sense, it's hard to explain, there was a sense of holiness in yeshiva. We felt, we felt Hashem visited. There was, there was a revolution of growth that went on over the next many, many months in healthy ways. For anybody not, there wasn't guilt. It wasn't like turned into production in some like guilt-ridden way, zero, zero. There was a holiness in yeshiva, there was a unity, there was prayer, there was comfort, there was, there was a tremendous, tremendous kedush in yeshiva. I don't know in my life a time I felt more holiness. And we were, there were guys in hospitals, we were going around to hospitals, in the dorm, it was a holy place. It was Kaidash Kadashim. The words Bikravayakadesh, an individual's changed, and as the yeshiva we changed. The yeshiva ran different after. The yeshiva was nifter with them. The yeshiva died. There was no yeshiva after Eli and Dani was nifter. Waterbury became battle. There's no such thing anymore. There's no such thing as the yeshiva. It mattered individuals. It changed the whole history of the yeshiva. Beforehand, we were like building a yeshiva. What we learned from the patira of these two is of, of these two precious is the importance of every individual not to be replaced. 
Nobody's replaced. There's not an institution. There are people. There are people. And the yeshiva as an institution died and people were given birth to. There were people. There were individuals. And the yeshiva changed in a very, very serious way after the Petira of Dani and Eli. It's something that we're gathered today, 11 years later. There are many guys who didn't know them, but something happened to your yeshiva. This was a gzeira to the yeshiva. You can't... you. To give over what happened, they were the guys. It can't be Eli and Dani when after. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's impossible. I could tell you I haven't said it over so graphically, but I do, I'm going to say over that I went to identify and saw them on the floor, and I couldn't recognize. I was close like crazy to both. I said to the police officer, looking at their precious, looking at these two precious, I don't know who they are. I don't, and they looked like Ellie and Danny, and I wasn't pretending. I couldn't tell who they were, because it couldn't be that it was them. It couldn't be. It couldn't be. I only knew it was them from their tefillin, which had its own form of change in me. But it couldn't be them. It couldn't be them. I, the, the police just tell me who it is. I don't know who it is. I don't know. I didn't know who it was. I did, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. To understand the gzeira to a yeshiva, when two guys who are the yeshiva, who represent everything precious in the yeshiva, tremendous, tremendous clap. And certainly one could have seen it as a rejection. If water, <laughs> if it rains on sukkahs, one could have seen this as a rejection. But with the luxury of 11 years of look back, and I don't even know the answer. If somebody could tell me in Chumash, Maish Rabbeinu responded to Aaron B'Kroi Vayakadosh. Maybe it's a rejection. I can't think of a bigger rejection. Rejection. I don't know how Maisha knew. I don't know how Maisha Rabbeinu knew. If it rains on Sukkot, it's a rejection. And at such a mind, two tzaddikim on Ifter, so it's not a rejection. This should have been seen. I don't even understand it. I ask, I don't know how Maisha knew. And I don't know how we, the Bachram, all of us knew. We, did, we sensed it wasn't a rejection. I don't know how we knew. I'm not sure. But 11 years later, it's Bechenas Bekroivai HaKadosh. A Bechena of Bekroivai. People that were special. People that were sincere. And they changed the yeshiva. They changed the yeshiva. They changed the Bachram who were there then. And they changed the yeshiva to a different place because of Eli and Dani. Because they were here because they existed here. <coughs> what they brought in yeshiva, it's a different place. I often worry, we have so many, the product of the yeshiva is gorgeous, is, is wild. And the world sees it. My wife and I have no room to breathe because the whole world wants you as a shidduch. People are coming day and night. The calls, the people want to come to the house. It's, it's a full-time job for itself. We're meeting people. We started instead of to the house. It takes a long time, so we're doing it over the phone. And we're meeting people constantly, streams of people, because they want a Waterbury guy. They're girls, smart families. They want and they see something that's smart and right, a developed, an honesty, a willingness to face, to face, to panemius, to face inner things and develop and grow, and they're seeing something that's attracting them. And the product comes, a product that's a shalim, the word shleimus, whole, every area, Torah, what the Torah says, a shleimus, a shleimus that's, that's there that anybody can see. 
And I worry sometimes that in the process, when a guy is young and struggling and working through something, so there's a beauty, there's a humility to struggle. There's a humbleness, we're very human, we're human, there's a humility to struggle. And as somebody's having more and more success, I worry about forgetting about the humility of struggle. I worry about, I, I have seen, I have seen people from out and have no patience for somebody struggling. I've seen it. I worked for a year in a yeshiva, a precious place, and I observed the guy would become stark and four minutes later, he'd have no patience for somebody struggling. It was like bizarre. You're almost like, do you have, do you, does your brain, do you not remember what happened? Did somebody sprinkle like dust over you of a memory charm and you forgot your past? Four minutes ago, what's wrong with you? But somehow in success, the intoxication of success, the arrogance it can produce, you forget about the beauty of humility, of struggle. And it's something we need all our lives, all our lives to work through, to not be afraid to be human, to not be afraid to have struggle and difficulty. And in success, I wonder and worry that a guy will forget about humility, forget the beauty of struggle, that we're human. And there may be an age you could look less struggle, it could be more subtle so others won't notice, but you're not struggling anymore, that's tragic. It probably means you're not alive. And I want to say here that two of our friends, there's so many aspects to the tsar that was and is, but there was a tremendous aspect we were so in the middle. We would smack dab in the middle of something. It's so frustrating to be stopped in the middle. I remember, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something interesting. We had a football league back in Yeshiva, back in the day when we were in Waterbury. And we had no fields, so our football field was on the local park. And we had a very good league. Yitz Rabofsky run it professionally. That guy's here in the football league. We had a foot like we do have, we'll have this year, a good football league. Now, I remember in the middle of one game, in the middle of one game, we're on the court, we're on the field, and these, it was late in the season. It was already after Pesach, and the little leaguers came, and they had a permit at the park. Okay. Guys out, we have a permit on the park. And we were chucked out in the middle of a game. It was such a disgrace to our whole league. We're in the middle of a game and we were chucked out. It was a disgrace. Like, and we've pride a good side. It was so disgraceful. You're like, you're so, and you consider yourself a real league. Me and Yitzhubovsky decided it can't happen again. It's so embarrassing. I mean, we searched the entire city for a field that we'll never get kicked out of. I looked, I, I drove up and down the city, but it can't be a park. We mamish found an empty grass field, punk that was, was near Blue Ridge, in that park on, what's the name of the street, Rabbi Russ? Waterville Park, an empty grass field that nobody, it's not a baseball field, nobody uses, and that became, for, for six years, it was the Waterbury Football League. Mamish, the day we left, we moved here, they, the government built a park on the spot. The day, Shem loves this yeshiva, we've seen it over and over. The day, Mamish, like you told them they started construction days later. We didn't need it anymore. They built the park on it. It doesn't exist. There's a park on it right now, a child's park. But that was our football field. But what we needed, what was the need? We needed a field that you can't get kicked out in the middle of a game. You're in the middle of a game if you're a football... We used to, before we had the gym here, 
So we used to play basketball in the Y. And we had the Y till 11 o'clock rented. You know how much money I spent that our games shouldn't be stopped in the middle? You know how many times I gave the guy 20, 40, and even $100? The guy would say, okay, game's over. It was like overtime of a DBL game. It was doesn't call DBL. It was overtime of a game. You know the disgrace to stop in the middle? Our league is serious. Our league is serious. You don't stop us in the middle. I spent hundreds of dollars, hundreds, my own money. I spent, Baruch Hashem, I'm rich, and I spent hundreds of dollars over the years, maybe maybe in the thousands, that we shouldn't stop in the middle. I would bribe these guys. They'd come to the gym, 20, 40, 60, 100, the game's going on. Double overtime was very expensive. But you can't stop in the middle. It slugs up your whole league. You're in the middle of a game. Chesed Hashem here, we've never, we haven't been stopped in the middle, we have our own gym, Chesed Hashem. In the middle is so frustrating, you're in the middle, it's what, you're not professional, it's not valued what you're doing to stop in the middle. And one of the tsar, we were so in the middle, we were mamish in the middle of sugyas, we were right in the middle of sugyas, there were places, and we were getting somewhere. And the abrupt stopping in the middle with Eli and Dani was very, is and remains a complicated part of all the different pains the stopping in the middle exists. But I want, to th- I want to say with the context of time, 11 years later, that there's something precious that Eli is always represents and Dani always represents a struggle to grow and a process of growth, forever they're that picture to us of somebody, the beauty, the gorgeous, gorgeous accomplishment of taking real things on, figuring out, fighting for something precious, and forever they're frozen there, forever, forever, they're still doing it, they're still right there struggling. At that place, there's, there's, there's something important to that as well. There's something important with the context of time to that process of growth. There's something very, very important. <coughs> Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, when he started his yeshiva, wanted the Bakram to dress in a certain way. He wanted it to be prestigious and dignified, to be a Ben both Ellie and Danny, to me, represent the prestige, the dignity. The dignity of steiging, the dignity of growth. They were proud of the yeshiva, they took it personally. Ellie met with me at the end of the summer. At the end of the summer, he was in Heller. We walked for about two, three hours. We took a long, long walk, between two and three hours. And he was discussing things he wanted in yeshiva, direction, and he was speaking most of the time. And he was discussing things he wanted. He was a leader in yeshiva, what he felt, how he, he had a tremendous care, as both of them had a care for the yeshiva and a pride in what the yeshiva was, a pride in steiging and growth. There was a tremendous, tremendous dignity. I wanted this year the topic that should be an ilui for both their precious neshamas. Any, any inspiration, any Torah learned, any idea shared should be, an, should be an ilui for both their precious neshamas. And I wanted the topic this year to be about prayer, to be about davening. 
I said over the story that's, that I said over in the past, I, I mentioned it, it's no secret, the story, but I said it this year, I felt Ramati, Eli Shomran's father, was Nifter this year. And I want this to be as well an Elon from his precious Neshama. He was a good friend of mine. And Ramati had a story with Eli, and because Ramati was Nifter this year, it's a story that guys here know, but we did not focus on this week. We've been focused on this story. And, and I want this year the topic to be <coughs> prayer, respect for prayer. I want to increase, but I want practically that we have more covet of our davening. During prayer, I want more quiet during prayer. I think we should show greater respect to prayer. I want to create a greater connection to prayer, to precious prayer. And I ask some guys will go around to share some thoughts about davening, about prayer. <coughs> but the story was that I've said this week, Ramati called me up, Ramati Shomran, called me up a while after Eli was nifter. And he asked me, do the Chazanim and Yeshiva wear the talis over their head? A strange phone call. They said, do the guys who dive in for the Amr, do they wear the talus over their head? So, it's an interesting question. And if you know the yeshiva, the minig of the yeshiva is the chazan. And this week we started insisting, and I asked, for this year I'm asking that all, anybody davens for the Amr from the bima, married or single alike, to take the talus and put it over your head. Anybody davens from shachris min the talus over the head. And the minig of yeshiva, and Rai used to insist on it, and the Chazanim always daven with the talus over the head. That's how we did it in the yeshiva. <coughs> so he asked me to the yeshiva, to the Chazanim. So I said, it's interesting, the minach in Berlin, even a bachar davens, talus is over. He said, yes, that's the minach. And I asked Rebmati, why are you asking me that funny question? So he said to me, now if you understand, Rebmati was a very honest, blunt kind of guy. He wasn't superstitious. He was the last guy who would believe in some weird story. He said, I'm asking you, because Ellie came to me in a dream last night. And this is the only dream he's had in his life that he felt was, wasn't a dream. It was just Ellie came to him. And Ellie told him that they allowed him in Shemayim to share with Reb Mati that he liked the davenings in Yeshiva. And he shared with his father that they let him come to the davenings in Yeshiva. That he comes to Shachar, he comes to the davenings. He had come to Shachar's in Yeshiva. And he continues to come davening that what you do is so they, he told his father that he comes so he said to his father and you're going to question me how do I know this is true so he said ask Kalish that I'll tell you a simon that this is not made up that you know I'm here a simon is the chazanim with the talus over their head you know nothing about this custom it's not a custom a kid's talk about so he said ask Kalish if it's true then you know it's true what I'm telling you so that's why he called me to ask me but I wanted, to, I wanted to say Eli appreciated a lot the davenings in yeshiva. He appreciated the tefillahs. He was plugged into the tefillahs in yeshiva. There's a sincerity that always has existed here in the prayers of yeshiva, sincerity, by way of not forcing it. It's not just, it's not the force of the yeshiva. It's, there's no guns to come to prayer, and people come to it and decide to become daveners. There's a beauty to the prayer in the yeshiva. But I wanted this year to make a chizuk, to make a tremendous improvement in the prayers. So I'm going to ask a few guys to speak. I'm going to ask a few guys to speak. I want to, we always sing alzeh on, on the yard side of Eli and Dani, we'll sing alzeh, and then I'll ask around a few guys to speak. We have some songs for the chevra, but Ari, if you could start alzeh, and then we'll ask a few guys to speak. <laughs> 
that there should be an appreciation, a sensitivity and appreciation for davening, for the prayers. People should have respect for davening, for prayer. I'm going to ask Daniel Tesla, who's come to the yeshiva and been an inspiration of sweetness and just somebody, a classy person, who I think has what to share with us. Is Daniel here? Oh, Daniel, thank you.
And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, my dove, referring to us, my dove, I'm, I'm putting you in this position. Why did I put you in such a tight, awful position? It's because I wanted to hear your voice. And the Medrash brings down a, a marshal to a king who had a, a bas yichida. He had a, an only daughter. And the daughter seemed to be ignoring him. The daughter didn't, wasn't speaking to him. And the king said, and the king was misavid, the question of the Medrash is the king was misavid, desired. He just wanted his daughter to speak to him, and, and she wasn't speaking to him. And so what he did was he, 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 he set this, like he hired people to just pretend that, that they were attacking her so that she'd have to cry out for help. And that was the only way he was able to start his relationship with, with his daughter, because otherwise she was, she was ignoring him. Um, so what it's trying to teach is that sometimes a Kaddish Baruch Hu, a Kaddish Baruch Hu puts us in, in hard situations where we're, we, we're stuck and we find hard. But really what he's doing is he's trying to push us towards him because oftentimes we, we, we ignore HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't, we don't speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he just wants us to, he's Messiah, the Medrash says, he, he really wants us to speak to him. And the lesson of the Medrash is, is he's Messiah Lassichasan. I think Sicha is a lesson of just, just talking, just, just to build the relationship. He just, he just wants us to speak to him. Nothing, he doesn't want your Peshat and the Rashba necessarily. He just, just wants to build a relationship with you. It's like I was, I was thinking that's like, you know, sometimes you feel like you have, um, you want someone to pay attention to you, whether it be a friend or, you know, a relative. And like, they're just like, sometimes they're just not, you know, they're just keep on ignoring you. And you're just like, oh, I just want that, like, I just want that relationship with you. Um, and I think that's, that's like an analogy to maybe a Kaddish Baruch He's like, I, I just want that relationship to, with you. And the only way he sometimes sees that it could happen is by putting you in difficult situations. Um, so um, I think just to take out of this that, that Hashem wants us to wants us to speak to him and to use our difficult situations to get closer to Hashem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I want to sing a song. The Danny and Ellie's Petiros. It, it changed when the yard site was. It has to do with the kfura, when the kfura was, when the misa was. One of their kfuras was after. Shkia in the first year, when the yard site is, Lamaisa, the yard site today is a day off from Rachli Menu's yard site. The first year was the same day, one of them was the same day, but Lamaisa, it's a day off, the yard site's a day off from Rachli Menu's yard site. Their yard site, Daniel's yard site, is tonight. I'm not going to be here, it's tonight and tomorrow. And Rachli Menu's yard site is Leil Shabbos, Shabbos and Shabbos Kodesh is Rachli Menu's yard site. The song called Barama Nishma was something we were both comforted by and were feeling a lot. Rachel Mevak Elbaneh, that Rachli Menu's crying for her children. Rachli Menu, the mama who cares for the plight of her children, and Rachel's crying for her children, and the power of Rachli Menu's tears. Rachli Menu was so selfless. And the power of her tears, that in some ways is greater power than Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, than the others. Rachli Menu, the power that Chazal teaches us of Rachli Menu's tears. So the song called the Rama became a very big chizuk, and that year we were singing it a lot. Ari, if you could start that song. <laughs>
we're here to do. Possibly. And, and I'm having a little bit of a... Weird feeling towards it. I guess you could say that, that we're here, in some sense, part of it. Like, there's there's a misconception about tefillah that you're... That, that all it is is asking for things that you need. Um, and when we were talking about having this discussion, we were talking about that tefillah so much more and how sometimes we can sell something that doesn't necessarily satisfy us and that's why it tends to get sometimes overlooked. And, and I was having trouble with that because my... It's probably just because I've, I've been here for so long. My, my relationship to tefillah, it's almost has almost very little to do with asking for things. I think there's a couple things that, that I've found that Tzvila has in it. So I guess I'll just talk about it a little bit. Um, if anyone's ever had that, the experience of speaking to, speaking to a Rebbe or speaking to a friend and there's something that, that you're feeling, something on your mind, you're experiencing something, and you want to share it with that person. And sometimes you say it, but you don't feel that you that you've said it right. And the person's there trying to understand and, and they're, they're with you, but you, let me say it again, because I, I, need, I, need I need to express how I'm feeling. I need, I, need you to, I need you to really understand what it is that I'm feeling right now. And sometimes when you don't get it, or even if you feel you've said it, but you don't feel that the person really, really is with you, really feels what you're saying, it's a very not satisfying experience. It's something that's very painful about that. And... I think, I think what's going on. I, I've heard people. I've heard people translate the word love as being seen, understood, and accepted. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. And there's a lot of truth to it. And I think that's that's part of why it's so important to be able to articulate how you feel, because you can only be understood kafi how much you articulate something. And I think that's why it's so painful when someone doesn't understand, because you're not seeing every part of me. You, one could argue that there's a, there's a level of love that's deeper than acceptance. I don't have to understand. I don't know if I'd agree. I don't know if you can experience love when you when you don't feel understood. I don't know if you can experience it the same way. But there's something that's very important about articulating how you feel and 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 and, and being understood and being seen where you are as you are in with with your entirety. And I think that's a huge part of tefillah. Tefillah, as, we, as we've been saying, obviously you're building, you're building a relationship with somebody. You're building a relationship with Hashem. And it's so important to keep up that, that, that dialogue because you can, you, can, you can find yourself, sometimes I find myself saying like, Hashem knows anyway, He knows and He does know what I feel. And that's why it's so satisfying when you express it fully because He does get it. He gets you to, to, to the most minute part of, your, of you. But to go through that experience of, I want you to understand, I want you to know how I am, I want you to know what I'm feeling, I, that, you could say that's pshad and vidui, but that every part of me, I want you to understand, and, and that sense that Hashem feels it and understands it is, is, is very, very, very satisfying, and, and that's something that brings me very, very close. It's one, one aspect of it, just important to articulate how you feel, and that's the same in all, in all relationships, it's just like any other relationship. Another thing that I think that I find in tefillah, which, which I, f I find, and, and this is something that, let me say it like this. I find when I feel Kirvas Hashem, and I feel like I'm in a good zone, and I'm doing, I'm doing well, and I feel close and connected, I feel that tefillah is very easy. I feel that it's very, it's, of course, I'm, I'm chilling with my best friend, 
And I find that when I'm not, there's something that's very, very hard about it. There's something that's very uncomfortable about tefillah when I don't feel that I'm connected to my ruchni as well. I don't feel I'm connected to what I'm doing. Something that's very uncomfortable about it. And I was trying to understand what that is. I think that part of it is that if you read the words of tefillah, and if you've been connected to them, <coughs> tefillah puts you in a room with your deepest recitals. At the core of your being, what, what do I need to survive? What do I want? What am I craving? What am I dying for? That's, that's what tefillah is. And that's, that's, tefillah puts you in a room with those things. And sometimes it's not comfortable to be in a room and be reminded of how deeply I care about waking up in the morning for chakras or how deeply I want to connect to this friend or how deeply I want to connect to a piece of Gemara, or with whatever, whatever the area is. And then you're saying, Psach, leave him, say, Sachan. But right now, I can't, I can't be with those, I can't be that version of myself at all times. And there's something very uncomfortable about it. But I think what it does is it forces you to be there. It forces you to reconcile. You, it doesn't allow, Tila doesn't allow you to forget about your deepest desires. And I think that's important. I think that's maybe, maybe just another idea. People always in davening have questions. Can I daven? I want my team to win. Can you daven the Knicks should win? Can you daven that the Knicks should win? And people always, the, the Wolfpack are playing their first game tonight. And I always like, you have this thing, I want to daven, the guys should win. Hashem, let the guys win. Then it starts like, and that question, could I daven the Yankees should win? Could I daven for that? Creates questions, what Arya said. To what do I really want? When I ask, should the Wolfpack win? I said, one second. They can win, and all guys' esteem is bad, and they don't. What I really want is the guys to feel like winners. We could lose and have the best season in the world at guys' groups. What I real, it makes, it brings into all prayer and questions. When guys have these questions, could I dive in that my league team wins, that the Yankees win? It's, all I know is that's the best question. That question is davening itself. That's not a question about prayer, that's prayer. Yeah. Prayer produces that question, what do I want? You could dive for anything, you could dive for your lead too, of course. <laughs> but prayer produces all those questions. What do I, if I dive, the wolf pack should win. So let's say they win and everybody feels not geschmack. So <laughs> it questions, what do I want? What am I saying I want? The Mets should win. I want to feel good. Let's say the Mets win and I feel lousy. So I wasn't, I don't care about the Mets, I care about me. So let's say that they win and I don't feel better. So it, it brings stark. What is it I'm craving? What do I want? It brings out. So what are you describe prayer bringing out your deepest wants? Pilel, the word lehispalel means to self-judge. That's funny that prayer is called to self-judge. It's fascinating. If it brings out what I want deepest, then prayer might be a self-judgment in a very, very real way. Pilel means... Lehispalel, pilel means to judge oneself. That's the translation. One of the translations of prayer is to self-judge. I'm judging myself. If I'm deciding my deepest wants, then maybe we understand why prayer is called pilel. I'm going to ask Akivala to share with the Olam, and then we'll do a song for the Chedra. I wanted to share an approach to tefillah that has really worked for me, inspires me, 
And to even say that sometimes when I'm davening, it even, I even feel satisfied when I'm davening. Like a very satisfied feeling. So my question basically is, is that we say throughout, throughout the day we say, a lot of, we say a lot of praises to Hashem. Throughout Tefillah we say a lot of praises. In Shimon Asher, there's three parts. There's praising, asking, and thanking. And in all those three parts, we're still praising. At the end of every bracha, we're praising. So what's this praising all about? Is it to boost Hashem's ego? I don't, to boost Hashem's ego? I don't think so. It's not. I think he's good. Baruch Hashem. All is good by him. So what's the point? So an idea I mainly learned from Rav Miller is that it's a really it's a, it's a learning experience. We're coming to build our awareness of Hashem. We're coming to build and develop our awareness of Hashem. So for example, when we uh, say Hashem, to come to realize that not, he's not coming. He's not allowing us. He's not allowing us to return. It's not like you know. Okay, I'm going to allow you to return. You're, you're back in. It's not the case. He wants us back. So it tells us a little bit of our relationship, how our relationship with Hashem is. Like, what's it about? He wants us back. He wants that relationship. Or words like Gomel Chasadim Tovim, which, which, again, we have to realize is coming to teach us about Hashem. We're coming to learn about Hashem. Kilayim Chasta, that is, that is, kindness is eternal. It's forever. And that's an extremely exhilarating feeling to realize that Hashem is constantly dealing with us on, with, with kindness. You know, that could take us that could bring us to good places. And the reason why we have to say these words over and over again is because, is because we, believe, we believe what we say, we think and we believe after, based on the things that we say. So therefore I just want to like finish off, that, you know, maybe to like meditate, sit and meditate on the words we're saying and be greatly impacted by our tefillah. I love what he said on right sub shoe. It's like he lets us back, he wants us. <laughs> Some everyone you meet a Bachar on an interview and you tell him he's accepted to Yeshiva. Like if you want to come, we'll let you come. You want him to know accept it? I met Avram in 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 in, in Jerish. Accept it, I want you in Yeshiva. It's a big difference. Except, like we'd say, we'd say Hashem accepts his mekabel tshuva. Like, okay, if you want to get back, he's dying for us, and he wants us. And thank you for that, Aaron. Thank you for the power of words. One of the interesting. I'm curious if 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 I was snicky, if I calf, if I if you've experienced this in yeshiva. There's a Bacham will say to you, Bacham have said to me, Rebbe, we need to speak, we need to speak. Okay, so you find him, you sit down, and you start talking, okay, we need to speak. About what? And this has happened a number of times. He didn't mean about a certain thing. I need to speak, I want to connect. <laughs> you think like, okay, so, no, so what's on your mind? No, we need to speak. That's so pure, and <laughs> what he's saying, I wasn't saying what I need to speak about. You, you had this right with Snickety, you're waiting for, also, oh, what's on your mind? It wasn't what it was on my mind. We just need to speak. I want, I want to connect. That's, so Aryeh described prayer, the connection of us expressing and being understood. We need to speak. Even when we have a topic to speak about, what we really want is to connect. Have ever experienced that? I was thinking you were waiting for... You need to speak.
Yehuda. So, the Mishnah Brewer says that there are three main brachos, and if one does not have kavanah during those three brachos, he's not Yosei. In fact, you should really repeat Shemona Esrei. You know, the Mishnah Brewer says you shouldn't repeat Shemona Esrei because the odds are you're probably not going to have kavanah the second time either. But, uh, so what's the most, I guess, important bracha? We say it's, he says, uh, the bracha of Avos. We say, all that stuff until Akela Kodosh. And that, we're not, we're not asking for anything personal over there. We're really just, we're just praising the Kodosh Baruch and Rav Schwab, he says, the most important word in all of davening is Hashem's name, Ado Noi, right? My, he is my master. That's what that means. And it says, He's the king of the world. But before we say he's the king of the world, we say he is my master. And there's a Gemara that says, that before Avram Avinu said, um, named Hashem, my master, no one else has done that before. No one else called Hashem my master. Avram Avinu was the first one to, to, to do that. And the question I had was, what, what really makes Avram Avinu so, so special, so unique? And there's, I want to give a little muscle. Um, for example, a king has many servants, or a, like a president has the, the secret service. All these people working for them. I guarantee you they don't know any of their names. They have all these slaves and these servants and these servants, whatever it is, the secret service guy, they don't know their names. But if someone, let's say a president has like a personal butler who works with him all day, 24-7, he knows his name because he has, he has a personal relationship with that person. He knows his name. He has a personal relationship with him. So really, what Avram, Avram means Kiddush, on, on Hashem's name, he is my master. It's really he was he was machadish the fact that Hashem has has a personal relationship with every single one of us, with every single person, and not only with every single person, but every single thing. And we know that it says in in Sukkot um, Zimra, we talk um the pasuk. It talks about the stars. And it says, you know, how many stars? There's billions of trillions of stars. And it says Hashem named every single star. And he didn't just name them like one million, two million, like, like the science world does. He gave them all names because a name for us is, is what makes us all unique. It, it, it represents the different uniqueness in all of us, is our name. And it shows that everything in this world, Hashem made it. It's very unique. Everything has a purpose. And we should we should build that relationship to Hashem to, to be able to say he is he is my master. Ado Noy, it says that for a reason. He is our master. And our Schwab actually says this this one aspect of, of showing that of really getting into yourself that he is my master is the most important part of dominating and it will it really it really can affect your life very positively. Um yeah, just go ahead.
ban Like, I was trying to like think like what is that guy trying to do? Like what is what is he thinking that that's a thing? Like how could somebody think that he could like come like what place could he be in that that's okay, that it works? Like it almost doesn't make sense. It's a, to me it's a question. Like how is a person at that spot? Um, so I was trying to understand like what, what is that like what is that guy doing? Um, so I th I thought of maybe maybe what the shot is to me it resonates. Um, that the pus that's sort of like a shtickle, but I think it, I think it could be the shot. That in Parshat Tzavim, there's that that pasuk that everyone always talks about when you get there. Every single person has to say like the same word again. That the same pasuk that um, the pasuk going on tshuva and tayra. That it's not neflesa, it's not rock, it's not rock, it's not far away. Um, Rather that it's the fichel lavacha soisa, it's karva davar elacham oed. It's very close, um, and um, Rashi says over there. And why does I have to say that it's not far away? What what is that? Because it's saying that if it was far away, that you'd have to do it. That's like what the pasuk is saying. There's a tzur. The Torah is telling us in the Indian connecting to Hashem's Torah, to coming back to Hashem, to doing tshuva. That if you want to, if you want to have a relationship with Hashem, that there's it's telling you that it's not far away. You think. That it's far away. I think that it's the Aurelian is across the sea or it's in the heavens. Um, that's what you would think, and you have to have that desire that if it was that you would go there, but that it's not. It's actually very close to you. Um, it's Bafiqal Vakala Saisa. so to me like what what is what does that mean? That you have to have that desire to go there if it was there. Like what what is that thing? Um, I think could be the Pshad is that when a person finds himself sometimes like trying to reach to the heavens to like understand the Torah, or trying to do tshuva and like going so and so far, or the guy who's diving and like he has to like totally like almost like hit the the heavens in order to try to, to try to dive, and he's like trying to reach for a shem and he doesn't know how. He feels so stuck in himself that he's almost just trying to like get out of himself and like go somewhere like very very far. Um, and what the Torah is telling you is that that desire that you have. To go there is is a real thing, and you have to have that desire in order to actually find the shine. You're you are at a first step. You're not crazy for for having that crazy desire to just reach out for something bigger, to reach out to, to something. That that's goofy. That's where it comes from. But it's not going to be in that place. It's not going to be in Shemaim where you think you're going to find it. It's a, it's with that desire, but it's actually the fichel the It's going to be with that that it's going to be something that that's um that's very close. Um, and I think that that's the Indian to connect to Hashem's Torah in order to connect to Hashem's Torah in order to connect back to him, or in order to go back to him with Tshuva. And I think the Indian Tefillah also is that sometimes we feel like we're so stuck in our own worlds and like we, are, we come down to Davin and we're just like, we're like, we know we have to connect to something else other than like what we see, like or how we're experiencing normally. And so we just go into this zone of like crazy, like shut, like almost like shutting down in order to connect to, to Hashem. But I think that's really... The, it's it is with that desire to do that, but it's not it's not from that place. It's not far away. It's something that's that's very very close. 
Um, I think it's from a place of of anivos, a place where Hashem could could live with you. Because I'll say that that from gaiva, which I think is more like being stuck in yourself, not something that's like the Kitsunistic translation of being like arrogant. It's more like being, being stuck in yourself that Hashem doesn't have a place to live. It's from that place that we talk badly about other people. Um, um, it's from that place that Torah is not given. Torah is given to to Moshe to Anam Adam, the person that that was able to chuba for all Kali to to get the Torah back. Um, it's given to, to a humble place, a place where we're able to come to ourselves in a real way, not to have to shut down and be stuck, be so stuck, um, to be able to reach to, to somewhere else. Um, and I think maybe that's that's a good pesach, or maybe a thelma for for tefillah that that we should know that when we have that desire, that chupa to daven, that that's a real thing, and it is something that Torah talks about, tells you to focus on, and you need to know about that. But then to to put that in a place for um, a, a humble place of of connecting, a place, that place where you're able to connect to other people, that place where you're able to come back to Hashem, to learn His Torah, and, um, yeah. you know you ready? Just like me, she's mine. 
and our desires, our deepest worries. And a big part of music in the yeshiva is the expression of, of what's inside. The David HaMelech, who composed Tehillim, is all the different expressions of David HaMelech, and each of his inner expressions brought him close to Hashem. His sadness, he cried to Hashem. His desires, he prayed to Hashem. His gratitude, he thanked Hashem. All the different desires and feelings and thoughts brought him close to Hashem and each expressed itself in a different capital tell him. I asked Shlomo Deitch, somebody who in the yeshiva was somebody through his music in a very beautiful way expresses his thoughts. I, to me the only thing that's Jewish music, what people call Jewish music I consider remarkably secular. You know, a guy, guys that played me song that's Jewish music, a guy can, can be mechavin to Jewish music is honest expression. When it's dishonest, it's not what you're feeling, that's not Jewish music. I don't care if you steal words from sukkim or anything, it's not Jewish. Please, I don't know what makes it Jewish. You stole a pasuk, you can steal a pasuk and do some Michael Jackson song. It's not Jewish because you put a pasuk to it. it does, it's just not Jewish. Jewish music is when it's an honest expression, when it's an honest expression from deep within. That's what Jewish music to me, that's my understanding of Jewish music, an honest expression. Shlomo's music is very, very Jewish. It's like a very honest expression. I think there's such a parallel to that place of honest expression and prayer as Aryeh explained it to us, like such a 
close connection between that place of honest expression and getting in touch with what do I want and prayer, like we said, Pilel, to self-judge. So I asked Shlomo on a gathering of honest prayer. I asked Shlomo to share with us. Idea. I don't have any songs really on TV, but I have one song, I think it's very, there's a story in the song that was very connected to Tasha Um So I wrote about it in the song, it's one of my, the only relationship I usually have with music and uh, feel is I usually dive into Tasha Hashem, but I have to call him anymore. <laughs> 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 now, yeah, now, like, now I'm more used to it, so. Um, the song, the song is called You Know, and it's basically, it's, it's a com conversation with myself, like you with you and yourself. Um, it's really just about validating yourself, and I think, uh, I think a lot of point, like a lot of, a lot of times in my life, moves I made weren't necessarily moves that people could see, which means it wasn't like a move like, showing up at the base more, put on this type of clothing, I'm doing something that people can see a lot more like, I'm, I'm, in, my, I'm in my room, I'm just being comfortable with myself, you know, that's, that's a move that nobody can see. But I think it's very hard for me to, to, I guess, give myself a compliment for that move. Someone's like, "Oh, I didn't like. Oh, I see. I'm, I see you making that move." Um, and, and and I and I obviously I know that obviously you want to validate yourself. It's still very hard. I mean, this is this is this is it's not feeling, but what I think the, the main part of feeling is my history. That's the most intimate relationship with Hashem. It's the most just conversation between you and Him. I think that's our goal also for. When we grow, it's obviously it's extremely healthy to get validation from, you know, your Rebbe, your parents, whoever, never say you're doing well. That's like, it's like a hard life, a little bit, always by yourself. But it's very important that I think your mainly it should be from yourself. It's very hard. But I think that's the goal is that when we, we grow, it should be, uh, it should be Hashem. Like Hashem, like, you see me, I'm growing for you. That's why we're here. And so I, I definitely have a hard time with that. This is... But whatever. That's why. I'm, that's I. For me, that's alright. So it's just, I admire myself. I just write it. So it's just a story. As I wrote a song, this wrote a song. I wrote like half a song. And I was my Rebbe. My Rebbe, I, I, I wrote a song. So he's like, okay, come sing in front of the shears. I was like, five, six guys. So Thursday night, my little club broke. I'm halfway through this. I'm like, I'm like, literally thirty seconds in. I just forgot all the words. That's happened to me before. It happened to me here. But that was like, I don't know, like. Sometimes I just forget songs. And I was just like so nervous. I was like. Okay, let me do it again. So I'm getting, I'm halfway through the song, forget all the words. Oh my God, it's bad. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me just say the words. Let me just read the paper. I just couldn't even do that. I'm like, okay, just forget about it. Just go on this year. Just go like, just continue. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, saying, yeah. I, honestly, I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt worse than people there. It's probably just so awkward. Right? Because I don't even know his own song. Forget about me. But anyways, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you're trying to sing a song about validating yourself, and you're only embarrassed because you're not getting validated by other people. If you, got, if you forgot the words in your room, you wouldn't be embarrassed, right? You're only embarrassed because there's people here. So I just heard, like, Hashem's voice, like, and I'm like, I'm really not, like, a spiritual person, like, I don't like, somebody to work on, I have to, like, really think to me, I have to really hit me. So, like, I go every day, oh, this is Hashem, this is Hashem, it's just not me. That's great, it's just not me. So this is the moment that I heard Hashem, and he's like, Go validate yourself. And so afterwards, I sing the song again. I was able to get through it. I think. I don't know. I probably blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Here it goes. You don't have to know that. <laughs> Oh, sometimes it feels like I'm blind To the beauty which lies deep inside But I know I've done better And I've done me for it But I can't see it What am I doing wrong? You should know It's okay to feel Like you're the only one who sees you for being real And it's alright If they don't recognize Cause you know you're doing so well deep inside And they don't see Well that's okay with me Maybe now I understand Myself covered in parts called I can I tell myself I'm so good Like I've always been If they don't notice to do mean that I'm broken You should know It's okay to feel you're the only one who sees you for being real And it's alright if they don't recognize Cause you know you're doing so well deep inside If they don't see Well that's okay with me And I was sitting in front of a crowd Trying to sing the song But I kept messing up and I was begging for some help to I saw my own words about believing in myself You should know it's okay to feel Like you're the only one who sees you for being real And it's alright if they don't recognize Cause you know you're doing so well deep inside And if they don't see Oh, that it's okay with me. You should know it's okay to feel. You're the only one who sees you being real And it's alright if they don't recognize Cause you know you're doing so well deep inside And if they don't see Oh well, that's okay
Tremendous power of music. The Friday night before Eli and Dani were nifter, so there was a guy who's in yeshiva. He's married, living in Eretz Yisrael. Somebody Yaakov Greenwald, a very very special yid. His name, the friends of it remember him. You say his name, we like smile. Jake Greenwald. Yeah, he was a dorm counselor in the Masifta, and great dancer, very good akiva, very very good gymnast, very special, brilliant guy. The bottom line is, is that Yaakov Rimwell came to me for Shabbos and he davens for the Ahmed in the shul, in Blue Ridge shul, and he sings a song that completely captures me. He came, he, ate, he was staying by me and the whole shul got into it. In my house, we sang it the Friday night, so the, as is my way, I just, that Shabbos, we live with that song. Might say Shabbos, I went to visit my father I've never taught my dad. My father is musical. He plays the accordion. I, his son, Dan Kalish, is not musical. And I've never taught my father a song in my life. I said, I have to teach you a song. And I taught my father this song. And, and it, like this funny thing, a song, Hashem sent the song to Blue Ridge, to, the, to us. 
Friday night, Shabbos, the whole Shabbos. Might say Shabbos, I'm by my father. I'm teaching him a song I've never done in my life before or after. Teach my father. I've never taught him a song. I taught, I sang this song. And Lemay said, we had the tzara on Sunday night. And this song became like a rallying cry in the yeshiva. The words, Ki'ata Bala Yeshua, we cancel the rest of the words of the song. But Ki'ata Bala Yeshua, Subala Nechamais. You are the Hashem who's the Bala Yeshua. Salvation comes from you and comfort comes from you and you only. And the yeshiva both needed Nechamais. We were tremendously in pain and we needed comfort and we needed Yeshua's. There were guys who were tremendously sick. And over the next many months in three different hospitals, there were guys sick in the hospitals and we were in tremendous pain in yeshiva. That song, anybody who was there, we can't, I can't personally, that song, anybody, people have sung it, L'chadaydi, I leave the room physically or emotionally, I'm not there. The song brings me to places I don't always want to go. It was a comfort and was a healing and an encouragement that also brings back to that place. In Yeshiva, we only sing the song twice a year. Tishabav and Andani and Eli's yard site, only the song is sung. Because for anybody who was there, the song is, is a time machine and transport us back to place. We're not always ready to go back to. But it was a pretty amazing thing that the words, a song was taught before the Makkah. And that song we sang the amount of hours in hospitals late at night in the dorms. There were three in the morning, nobody could sleep. There was many months where it was difficult to sleep. And that song was heard everywhere, all around the yeshiva. I do want to sing it, I all, but I want to end with the song of this year, the Hashem, the, the, the prayer to Hashem, <coughs> we say from Tachnan, I want to end with that, so we'll do both those songs. Let's first, Revezi, do the Kiyatu Bala Yeshua's Bala Chamez.
I want to I conclude the morning at this point, the afternoon. I want to thank the guys for being patient and, and being here. I want to practically be mechazek. We sat together, we heard beautiful divrei Torah and thoughts and ideas on prayer. Tremendous, one after another, tremendous ideas on prayer. I want to be mechazek. Our own respect for the prayers. We sat here this morning talking, discussing, hearing about prayer our own respect for the prayers, that there's a covet for the prayers, that it's taken seriously, that there's a respect and a form, and certainly a decorum during the prayers. I want to make such a chizik. I ask that the chazan, for this year, we're going to be marked with the chazan as a covet for the tzibur, as a covet for the prayer and the prayer of the tzibur. The chazan's going to wear a talus and wear the talus over his head as a respect for the prayers. And I ask that in general we give a seriousness to the prayers to the davening, and that should be an even for these two precious neshamas who clearly, who had a care for prayer and for relationship and connection, were very, very shayach to that sogyev, very involved in that sogyev connection, their relationship to Hashem was something that was sincere and building and they had been creating something very, very special in that way, and it remains. There, the lesson remains, and the power of what they taught us remains. Every person, we can chazer over the years the amount that we've learned from their lives and from the circumstances of their departure. We've learned tremendous amounts. Right now I'm thinking about the dignity that was both of them, the respect for prayer, the respect for Ruchnius, for the base Knesses, was something, I have a visual of Eli walking into the davening. He had a certain walk, I can have a visual, I remember where he sat, 
in the back, and I remember him walking in and how he looked when he walked into davening. I'm not the earliest fellow, but the times I was there early, I saw it many a time. And the respect for prayers is something that, that I wanted to live in yeshiva today. The respect for prayer. It's confusing because they're minyanim. It's a little confusing. Your mikiva makes an early minyan. When a minyan goes on, even if you're not part, show respect. That your mikiva has an early minyan, so then people have to show the respect that people davening in here. We have to have respect. You know, it's, it's funny, all of us by our prayers, prayer is very real and a shul is real. Is it easy for us always to be real? Shabbos is real, I'm not always real. Shabbos is real. Shabbos is, a, Hashem is here and a person can access. I'm not always real, so I can't say every minute I'm plugged in. Prayer is very, very real. I'm not, I'm, I try once in a while to be real, to plug in, to try, to make an attempt. And just that attempt is precious, but prayer is very real. It's a matziv. Hashem's a shemeat People are talking to Hashem to show that respect. To really, it's just real. Something real is going on. These are not just the law is because of a reality. The law of not talking during prayers, the law of not disrupting is not just a, you're not just being polite. There's a reality that they're talking to Hashem. It's like just the reality of what's happening. It's hard for us to always live the reality. Following the law is a big step to getting in touch with reality. All of us want to be real. Prayer is just real, and a place of prayer is very real. As a, as a ilui to the neshama, to the precious neshama of Eli, Eli Shomran, Eliyahu, Ben Mordechai Halevi, ilui to his neshama's father, Ben Mordechai, who's a wonderful person, Mati, Mati, Mati Shomran, who gave us Eli and was tremendously proud of Eli's accomplishments here. He's somebody whose father, who was a blunt guy, testified on him that the day he made a siyam in yeshiva, his father and his grandfather says it always, that was the happiest day of my son's life. The happiest day of his life, and he was a happy guy. The happiest day of his life was the day he made a siyam. Danny, who was tremendously, tremendously gentle <coughs> and kind, he was a cool, cool guy, and the Messiah of Yeshiva, a guy could be cool, that I share you, he was very, very good looking and very athletic. Why do you say that in the day of his yard site? Is that eternally important? And the answer is yes, because that gave him standing and everybody was invited in. He was a spitz of you, everybody was invited. Everybody was cool because of his cool. What if he has a reputation, right? There are two Yeshivas that have said to me, similar type places to ours, they said, you take all the cool guys. They were like, Tainan, you steal the cool guys. That's what you do, you steal the cool guys. A thousand percent guilty as charged. A thousand percent. There, I've never, we've never had once not a cool guy here. A thousand percent. It's the coolest place on earth. But it's cool because of what Danny did and guys like Danny. Because because each person's respected and appreciated. You know how many guys, my favorite, the guys have like lost weight before they come, like it's intimidating to be around the cool guys. And it sure is, it sure is, because a person is, is immense. Donnie lived with that. His coolness became the coolness of a yeshiva. Every guy was cool in his eyes. Every guy he belonged in. His coolness was used to give somebody else coolness. That was, his coolness became the coolness of yeshiva. When the cool guy is snobby and elitist and pushes out others, so then you have categories, the cool guys, the haves and the have-nots that didn't exist in Donnie's world, it didn't exist. Didn't exist, he was outstanding. We gave an award, I was just looking at the award, it's in the office, 
in the office, and I didn't want to see it. We would give yearly a Dani and Eli award. It was the most important award in the yeshiva. And at graduation, the father came different years. We had Dani's father come, Eli's father, to actually present the award. The Dani award was like the guy who was just a good friend. Now, most yeshivas, you say a guy is a good friend, it means he's like, there's nothing else you want good to say about him. Yeah, there was tons. He was one of the best guys in yeshiva. But the loyalty, the good friend, every, his house was very open to the guys. Just as a, every, older guys, base medrash guys, there was a big one to like be friends with him and get in with And you can get in. It was just easy to get in with Danny. He was that type of guy. You were welcome in. You were welcome in, no problem. Into his house, into his life, into his circle of friends. It was very easy to get in. Respected people tremendously. You, 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 were, you, you were part of the club. You were in. There's a reason everybody in yeshiva is cool. It's a lot because Danny and Ellie, both of them had his, Ellie was a superior ball player. He was a guy on the team, but everybody, I don't know how he did it. I, I, my behavior has taken years to get a little better on the court to respect teammates and be nice. It's actually nice to teammates and nice to people and no problem. Just very, very pulling in of the next person, inclusive of the next person. That's become a hallmark of the yeshiva. That a person's cool. It's yeshiva guy. We only have cool guys. Only mm -hmm. one of the one of the in America told me one of the greats in America pulled me aside at Chasna, and he said the best looking people I've ever seen go to whatever. So he told me Gadol, Gadol Yisrael told me that the guys in yeshiva. He said they're good looking. He said a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There's a chain and good looks of somebody who's respected. People have good looks. Danny King is still good-looking, and Ellie's still good-looking. Good looks could be a Kenyan anefesh. There's something deep about the Torah reports, the Emmaus were beautiful. It's not a fleeting thing. Physicality is fleeting. Acceptance, Shloyma sang a song about self-acceptance, and I'm good. That shines, that shines for eternity. They both brought that quality to yeshiva. People are good, but real, not a superficial way I remember when I discovered, when I discovered Shleim Deutsch, he sang to the guys, the guy is, he, he says he's not spiritual, I don't know who, if he's not, I don't, <laughs> we have to talk about that Shleim, if there were spiritual people, I, we have to talk what the word spiritual means, he's panemius, the panemius, in touch with the panemius, I, I, I'm curious about your reaction actually, when he said he's not so spiritual, I'm not sure. <laughs> we have to talk about what spirituality is. If in touch with Panemius means spiritual, you're one of the most spiritual guys we ever have here. I remember Shlomo was here for a while and I didn't really know him, I'll be honest. He was a guy in Yeshiva. I didn't know him. I like literally discovered, I, I always say over, I found him like wandering in the forest, like in the front of the thing. He was like David Amelech in the forest, contemplating, he talks about a song about Panemius. I found him in the woods. He was in the woods. He was in the woods. <laughs> That's like the, he represents like the beauty of the yeshiva, pneumistic of people, of a person who's uh, plugged in and attached to real things. Attached to real things. This was the legacy of Eli and Dani. We're both like plugged into the right things. In their life, they were like, you, you pass by, meet Waterbury. That's what everything good about the yeshiva, plugged in. And in their death, in their death, they remain like a picture of what's beautiful about the yeshiva. So I say the specific topic of the year is to respect the base Knesset. 
And let's and let's be mechazik, let's make it better. It, we could be better at it. We're, we're, we're energetic guys. Sometimes a young guy comes in and plays Connect Four. I don't mind, we have to, that's what he needs to play Connect Four in the base Medrash. That's his prayer. I can't explain it. That's his form of prayer. But I get worried when you talk because he's playing checkers. He's playing checkers near the, near the, near the davening. It's important. That's his prayer. That's where he's holding for now. He's in a base medrash even playing checkers. But when you talk because he's playing checkers, then we have a, then I'm going to have to not let him play checkers. That would be bad for the Jewish nation. You're rejecting his form of prayer. For him, that he's playing checkers in the base mesh, he, trust me, I promise he, he, he could do a lot of other fun stuff. He's playing checkers because he wants to get closer to davening, and right now he can't pray it. So, so we let him play checkers. I don't let you talk. I ask each person to respect to the base knesses, to be mechazek, to be mechazek, to strengthen it. Prayer has to be respected and appreciated when there's a davening going on, to really try make every effort to be quiet by the davening, to make every effort to show respect, to appreciate prayer is very, very important. Communal prayer, a group of people checking in to Hashem, expressing their thoughts is tremendously valuable. We're going to make a chizuk in that inyan, these two precious neshamas. The rest of the day, Musa will be 2.45. Lunch is now, Musa 2.45. We will say, Be'ez Hashem, after Musa, we'll say some kapit l'chtilim. Together, it's closer to the yard, so we'll say kapit l'chtilim with them. Thank you so much, Rebbeis.